वेलकम एरिक प्रोटीन मोजली ऑन ग्लोबल कॉन्वर्सेशन सो वॉट विद विद दिस मोनिका प्रोटीन वाई द मोनिका वॉज द स्टोरी बिहाइंड इट Oh so god wow you know i have a lot of people mica um a lot of people ask me that question but nobody never really started off like that you the first one ever started off that yeah it's curious like, you know because since you insisted that i you know mention it so that is why well um actually i did a podcast uh with another uh, individual and he kind of like explained it better than i could explain so protein is the core building block of just about everything so i got that name from um just um I don't really know it just kind of like went with somebody said protein Eric Mosley and then you know I said well Eric protein Mosley and they said well yeah Eric protein Mosley goes better and it was just a name that just came up and uh it's making its way around the world now you know Yeah sure it is making its way around the world but then before that before you know being protein Mosley how did it all begin like what is your story Uh, what is the story behind the name or just uh my no, life no the life like how did it start uh, how did oh, okay. you go homeless what oh, the okay. addiction you know yeah so actually i grew up in um the city of detroit and um at the age of 2 years old i moved out to california with my mother and father mm-hmm. and um uh, my two sisters and myself mm-hmm. and my mom and dad we got they got a divorce so we ended up being back in detroit so when i got back to detroit I ended up getting in the gangs and dropping out of school, you know, experimenting with marijuana and just all type of things and uh became a single parent homeless crackhead. So I just had picked up all of these um negative vibes and so uh I was traveling with my um baby's mother and then like I said I became uh, the single parent and I continued on taking her through the same thing that me and my baby's mother took us through took her through and uh somehow I just changed it I don't know I just kept praying to God and I knew that that wasn't my mission is just to be traveling from coast to coast with this little girl and being a drug addict and not um doing being a father that I was supposed to be and um from there um when she got like maybe like 16 or years old we were still going through it and we got in went into a shelter and um that's when I was getting myself clean and I just started um picking up a camera I don't know how that happened um I was in the shelter in New York with my daughter and um I had some footage from New York that I was going to do a pilot for a reality show and to come to find out of a, a reality show pilot was only 8 minutes so I had like 2 hours worth of footage and somehow I just became an advocate for homelessness and then I just started getting documentaries on TV and then things just started happening for me you know just you know I kind of got snatched into being a, a filmmaker I, it wasn't anything I tried to be but uh you know then I became a homeless advocate out of that so that's it's a long story but that's how it happened it, I took a negative and turned it into a positive right uh, but you said you're part of a gang so uh, why do you think people you know turn to addiction is it because of uh, broken families or lack of education like maybe racism like what is the reason why do they take this drastic step well Well, it could be a combination of uh, all of the above. But most people who are getting on drugs, they're trying to hide something, and they're trying to, um, you know, cover up something that they don't want, you know, to be shown, or, or a feeling that they're trying to, you know, disguise. It's something that they're looking for a feel that they're not getting, 
And um, like, it could be like, a, 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 you know, I talk with a lot of people, like when their parents die, a lot of people get on drugs like that. And, you know, people that get turned out on the streets become homeless. They start getting on drugs, come from depression. And drugs kind of just give you that, what you think is an uplift for that moment, but all it does is just add more problems to the circumstances. So while you were homeless, what were the conditions like? Like, the, does the government really support the homeless? Uh, like, as we see it in the movies and all, they are just left to fend off on their own. How is the situation? Oh, you mean the conditions of, yeah. like, being homeless? Yes. Well, um, okay, so I had been homeless with my daughter, and uh, that was real hard because mm -hmm. I was a single-parent father, and they would always... Um, you know, like if I go to try to get her in school, I would have to answer questions about where was the mother and how come she wasn't around. And I would break this down and say, this is not where the mother is. This is where the mother isn't right now. I'm here. And I would try to tell them, you guys don't do mothers like that. You just do fathers. And when I would take her to the doctor, um, you know, doctors would take her in the back and ask her, hey, what does your dad do to you while you're all alone in the house and all kind of stuff. And that, that was kind of... Uh, no, it was kind of depressing, but I was like, like, I'm not going to say the only single parent father, but it was like a thing that wasn't normal at the time. You didn't see a man come walking in the hospital with a, with a child and trying to get her checked up. You didn't see a man coming to uh, register a, a female in school. But my life was hell, though, because I was, you know, I was taking care of the drug addiction more than I was myself and my daughter. But, you know, I, I had maintained. And the thing I want to say is that God was watching over me. I can't say anything I did right. It was just God watching over me, knowing that I was going to be at this level right now, knowing that I was going to have to go through what I had to go through to be where I'm at right now. Right. So any particular incident that kind of uh, changed you or kind of inspired you into being a filmmaker and start the Skid Row production? Like why the name Skid Row? I think it's a place that you live, I believe. Yes, Skid Row is a 42 block of homelessness in downtown Los Angeles. It's the most popular and the most largest homeless community in the entire world. And so by me and my daughter living in that area, and that was where I filmed my first documentary, then, you know, I just took the journey behind. It's not called Skid Row, because I, I want to clarify this. It's not Skid Row production, because there is a production called that. Mine is called Skid Row Journey Productions, because that was the name of my first documentary. And uh, yeah, it just came from um, being down on Skid Row and, uh, you know, surviving. And I always tell people I graduated from the most prestigious college in the world, which is Skid Row University. SKU, baby. <laughs> I saw one of your interviews and in that you had mentioned that you were staying in a shelter and the conditions were really bad. And uh, there was this pregnant lady. Uh, something, some incident that changed you, like you advocated for it and then they had to shift the center to a better place, the authorities. What was it about? Um, about, uh, uh, you're talking about the one in New York? Yeah, the one in New York. I saw it one of your interviews. Oh, okay. So the, the one in New York, that was called Auburn. Uh, um, yeah, that was called Auburn. And that was actually used to be a a uh, hospital that Michael Jordan was actually born in. And then they, they took it and they turned it into um, a homeless shelter later. And um, yes, the conditions in there were like super horrible. They were, uh, 
you know, they had rats in there, they had roaches in there, and they had, you know, they weren't making sure that kids were going to school. They were like, you know, it was ran by the city. I hate to put the city of New York on blast like that, but they, it was real bad in there. And, um, you know, okay. I, oh, wow. It was like, you know, the, 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 the security guards there, they were uh, trying to have sex with the, the single parent mothers in there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, well, the, the thing was that really kept me going in there was the fact that these single parent mothers were like real frail, like real small women and carrying like eight, nine bags, having four and five kids. And they would have to uh, get up in the morning and take all these different kids to different uh, schools, then come back and try to get employment and then trying to get their kids out of school and stuff. It was hard for them. I think they were the most strong. The, the homeless women in New York were like the strongest women in the world that I saw in that shelter right there in um, New York City. So you kind of documented that also, uh, how did it change? Like, how did the authorities take notice of it? Uh, could you repeat that? Uh, did the authorities take notice of it? Like, I think you complained about it. Yes, um, well, one of the buildings, which was called EAU, was called all um, Emergency Access Unit. That's where they take all the families from the beginning and put them, you know, you have to go there in the daytime and then they shoot you out to all of these different hotels and yes, they tore after we um, we had elected officials to, to come in there. We made them start sending kids to school. They tore that whole building down. If you go there on 151st in the Bronx right now, 151st in Walton in the Bronx, it's a whole brand new building. Yeah, so we did make some changes. Me and this young guy named Jonathan, we made a bunch of changes. Uh, so as we wrap up the part one of our interview, uh, what message would you like to give to the youngsters who are, you know, into drug addiction, into homelessness, or maybe they have problems at home? What is the inspiration that would you like to give to them? I would give the inspiration to them just because you're down right now doesn't mean that you just have to give up. Take this and um, use this experience as your resume. See, a lot of people don't know when you're going through something bad, that's the best resume you can have, especially if you overcome it. But if you stay stuck in there, that resume is not gonna be good. So what you're going through right now is gonna be the best resume that you're gonna be able to present to anybody into the world that could advance you in whatever you're trying to do in society. So thank you so much for joining me this evening, Eric. And I wish you a very good day and see you soon for part two. Thank you so much. Okay, Mary, thank you so much. Thank you.